What up? Uh, a couple things. One, who's the person who brought me the caramel apple from Carter's? My man. God bless you. Um, for those of you who've never been to Carter's before, it's uh, just down the road. And they have a drink there called the caramel apple. If you haven't tried it yet, you're missing out. So do me a favor. Um, when you order it, and I want to tell you you should because it's so good. It's got caramel in it. Um, what I want you to say is, I'd like the Clayton. I mean the caramel apple. And I just want you to keep saying that to the point where people there will eventually just call it the Clayton. You know, LeBron James has his own shoes. I just want to drink, okay? You guys can help me out with that second thing. To the media team at our church, God bless you. This shirt is four and a half feet tall, okay? I'm, this never happens. They're like, hey, man, we got you this shirt, and I love the Million Hallelujahs. A guy on our staff wrote it, and I was like, yeah, I'll put that on tonight. Never opened it. It was just all wrapped up. I put my pants on like a normal human being, socks, shoes, go to grab my shirt, put the shirt on, and like I was waiting for, you know, tent poles to come rolling out of this thing. So any of you girls looking for like a casual evening dress, uh, you can have this when I'm, uh, when I'm done. I mean, this is an, I mean, how, how many outfits does a man have? I got a foot and a half at the end of my jacket. <laughs> Anyhow, it's like my, it's like my jacket's giving birth to this shirt. Um, all right, that's not what we came here to talk about. Uh, <coughs> a couple things. One, big thank you. You guys are doing such a great job of bringing passion and energy to our church. I get excited every single week when I hear awesome reports out of what's happening in this ministry. Most of you, you already know this. Um, there's going to come a point in time where you don't, you know, uh, you might age out of this ministry. And uh, I just want you to know, you can, I want you to start leading now. So that way when you find yourself in the next stage of life, you've already prepared yourself as a leader. Like, this is a great time for you to start leading now. This is a great ministry for you to start leading in. Start establishing those disciplines so that way you can be a blessing wherever God sends you next. Some of you, you, you know, you're going to get sent here. Others of you are going to get sent other places. But start the discipline of leading now. You don't have to wait. You can do it now. The other thing is I want to say a huge shout-out to Josh, to Corey, to uh, there, oh, there's a whole bunch of Tech Slew people back there, all the worship guys. Uh, you know, no one gets paid to do this ministry. Everybody does it out of the their love for Jesus and their love for you, would you give them a, yep, yep, okay, big shout out to them, they're great people, uh, Ecclesiastes 4 is where we're going to be tonight, I'm going to be relatively quick, I always say that, I go long, not today, um, I'm going to let this one hit hard and hopefully hit quick, um, each week when you guys gather together, um, you are exposed to the word of God and you have a choice that you have to make whether you're going to receive it or you're going to reject it. And there's good reasons for you to reject it. One of those reasons might be you just don't, uh, it doesn't make sense to you. Or uh, you're not there yet. Um, or you're going, I don't know. But what I need you to hear me say is you'll never know the validity of something until you actually put it into practice. And what I want to 
propose to you is, the que- is this question. What if God is right? Like, what if he is? Well, the only way you're going to be able to discover that, learn for that, feel that for yourself, is if you actually take a shot and implement it. And then allow your experience to validate the truth of God's word. Now, normally you have to be careful when you start using the word experience to validate truth. But in God's economy, you actually have to put your faith into practice for it to become faith. So when God tells you to do something, until you follow it, you'll never know whether it was good or not. And what you see happen with a lot of people is they actually start doing the things that God's telling them to do, and then they experience, oh my goodness, I can't believe I was living any other way. That's what actually makes Ecclesiastes such a powerful book is because Ecclesiastes comes to you uh, from the past and the future simultaneously. He speaks to your past and he speaks to your future at the exact same time. Because Solomon existed a long, long time ago. But he experienced the highest highs of all of your dreams of your future. If I were to say to you, Uh, what do you want to have happen in your future? Most of you are going to say something along the lines of, I'd like to have a decent job, I'd like to have a decent spouse, I'd like to have a decent life. Some of you might be, you know, a little edgier than that. And you're going, I want more. You know, I want two spouses. And, you know, whatever your thing is. What he's saying is, look, take your wildest dreams and Elon Musk it. And I'm telling you what happens at the end of it. He's saying, take a good look, because I am living at the fullest extent of your wildest imagination. And I'm telling you what I found. And you have a choice. You can either receive it, or you can reject it. Before you reject it, I at least want you to try it, and then see if if God's word resonates with you. Because there's three ways you learn something, okay? When you're learning, you can learn by reading information. Somebody tells you something, you read something, and you're like, cool, I get it. That's number one. Number two, you can watch somebody else screw up. And you're like, well, I don't think I want to do that. Three, you can do it yourself and then learn the hard way. That's what the hard way is, experience. All three are fantastic teachers. So, you walk into a store. And you see caution, wet floor. You can read it and go, it's probably wet there. I'm going to walk carefully. You can watch an uncoordinated person fall and go, now I definitely believe it. Or, I'm just throwing this out there, you can go walk and see if it's slippery. You can go up to something that says wet paint on a park bench. And you can read it and go, okay, I'm seeing what you're laying down. You can watch somebody else sit in it. Or you can go, you know what, I don't know. I mean, that was, it was wet for them, but will it be wet for me? Right? Um, You'll read on social media, just broke up with so-and-so, he's a total jerk. You can read it and go, yeah, he might be a total jerk. You can watch somebody else date him 
and come to the conclusion that he also is a complete jerk, or just throwing this out there, you can go, you know what? Maybe he just hasn't found the right person yet. <laughs> yeah, I'll fix him. One of the best ways to learn is in category one. The second best way to learn is category two. Watch and learn from other people. The third and worst teacher is experience. You will put your life on an exponential up and to the right trajectory if you can get yourself into a position where you don't have to learn everything through experience. You will fast forward the wisdom. You will accelerate your maturity if you can learn from the first two. Here's why the Bible is so cool. You ready for this? You get to read somebody else's experience. You don't have to learn it all the hard way. Okay? So, Ecclesiastes 4. Again, I looked and saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed. They have no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors. And they have no comforter. Mentions it twice. And I declared that the dead, who had already died, kind of redundant there because, you know, dead people are uh, dead, are happier than the living. Hold on a second. How's that possible? How are dead people happier because the oppression's over? The suffering is over. Being alone is over. You no longer have to be oppressed without someone to comfort you. But better than both, the dead person and the alive person, is he who has not uh, yet, or, but better than both is he who has not yet been or has not yet been born who has not seen the evil that is under the sun. And I saw that all the labor and all the achievements spring from, oh wait, I'll stop there for a second. So you are going to leave here. Some of you, you've already dealt with tons of oppression. Some of you have way more oppression coming your way. And what he's saying is, look man, this world out there, it is tough. And what's worse than life being tough is being alone when it's tough. And if you're going to try and survive this world that's coming at you, and it is coming at you, you're going to need someone to comfort you. And then what he does is he goes through and starts listing enemies to companionship. Things that get in the way of you having somebody to comfort you. So he picks it up. And I saw that all the labor and all achievements spring from man's envy of his neighbor, this too, a meaningless, a chasing after the wind. He's saying, you know one of the things that gets in the way of you having relationships is envy. And you know this to be true. You already know this in your heart. It is the areas that you are jealous of another person that cause you to want to pull away from that person. You can't be happy with what another person has because you don't have it. One of the signs of spiritual maturity is you can rejoice for other people when they have something to rejoice about. Some of you, you get frustrated because you don't have as much as somebody else. And that frustration 
isolates you. Makes you angry. It makes you forget all the things that you have. Uh, I don't know if he was a billionaire, but he is the richest person I have ever known. And he was my age, and I met him when we were 20. I went to his house, and it had a, a spire that came out of the house that went up a winding staircase three stories tall, and it had a bedroom with windows all the way around on the river next to race cars and a, a mo- his own motorbike track. He drove an Escalade, and he was my age. And his dad uh, had died. And I kept thinking, man, it would be awesome to have this guy's life. Well, the way he got all of those things was because his dad had died. And I became consumed with his physical possessions, realizing that the price of those possessions was the loss of his dad's life. I was envying a guy who had lost his. What do you think he wished he had? We're sitting across the table, and I'm wishing I had his life. And he's wishing he could do what I do, which is call my dad. Envy pushes you away from other people. If you find yourself going, man, I wish I was like her, or I was like him, or I had like he, or I had like she, what is happening to you is you are isolating yourself. And that is keeping you from having a comforter. And life is hard, and you're going to want a comforter. Keep going. So first he says envy gets in the way. Second thing he says this. The fool folds his hands and ruins himself, okay? Here's another envy to relationships, to comfort, being lazy. This is the kind of people who, uh, they don't work because they don't feel like they should. They don't feel like they should have to. Uh, I've noticed this. Lazy people are the busiest people in the world. I can't today. I've got so much going on. I'm pretty slammed. Hey, can you pick me up? Uh, like, how, how am I having to run you an errand? I've got a job. And they're going, oh, well, I can't. They're the person who goes, uh, you make plans, and then they bail. I just, uh, I just, I just, I just don't think I can. Uh, listen, when you're in a relationship with a lazy person, and I mean, you gotta, you gotta watch out for this one. When you're dealing with lazy people, here's what happens. Um, They expect everything to come to them instead of having to do something to participate in it. So what happens is, is they want to make you their servant. Lazy people always want someone to do do it for them. And then what happens is, they become their own God. They exist to serve themselves. And then they get frustrated that nobody's around them, but they didn't go and get a job to have enough money to actually go and do stuff with their friends. The lazy person is the one's like, ah, oh, man, I'm not going to make it to collective tonight. I just don't feel like I, w- I just don't feel like it. I just don't want to. A lazy person makes the world revolve completely around them. Here's a little marriage pro tip for the future. Don't marry lazy people. Don't. They will never be satisfied. You will have to work unbelievably hard to take care of them, and your kids will suffer because of it. Find somebody who can wake up when their alarm goes off, can work, can do stuff, is others-focused because you want to marry somebody who has you on their mind, not themselves on their mind. A good marriage. So if I have Jennifer here, which she'll be here next week, and you'll love it. 
in a good marriage, I should be thinking about what I can be doing for Jennifer. Jennifer should be thinking, what can she do for me? We should not be going. I should not be going. What could Jennifer do for me today? And she should not be going. What can Clayton do for me today? Do not marry. Do not. Don't. I'm, I'm coming to you from your future. The path to loneliness is laziness. Ecclesiastes 4.5. Uh, oh, sorry, the fool runs in verse 6. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. These are the people who it's never enough. These are the people who struggle with uh, greed. This is the opposite of laziness. It's never enough. They're misers. They work hard, but they won't spend it to do anything for anybody else. Uh, they can't hang out with you because they got to go do another job. They got to drive another Uber. They got to do something. They got to do it. They can't stop. Some of you, that was your dad. You wish you had more memories with your dad, but you didn't because dad was always working. He couldn't say no. If you were to ask yourself, you wonder sometimes, did my dad love my, his job more than he loved me? I mean, that's a message to anybody who's in ministry. You got to be careful. But these are the guys who are going, it is never enough. You know what that does? Is it isolates you because you never have time to invest in other people. You never have time to invest in relationships. And eventually you wake up and all you're doing is working for yourself. This is what he says. There was a man all alone who had neither son nor brother. There is no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For who am I toiling? He finally comes to this realization. Why am I working myself to the bone? Why am I doing all of this? I don't have anybody to share it with. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless. A miserable business. One of these days, you are going to find yourself at the end. Right now, you are in the craziest trajectory. You are going to get wealthier every single year for like the next 30 years of your life. Good news, right? Like this is as broke as you're going to get. I can't say that on a Sunday morning, okay? Because those people, some of them are like in decline. But you guys, listen, man, it's just going to keep going up. And here's what I want you to know. As it keeps going up, like put a cap on it for a while. Like put a two-year cap and go, you know what? I'm only going to live on X. And just allow there to be huge margin in your life. Because what happens to a lot of your parents is every time they got more, they spent more. And it was never enough and they wake up one day and they got too many cars and too much house and they can't stop to do the things that they want to do they can't spend time with you because greed just kept creeping in watch yourself like take this one tattoo it somewhere like a thigh this would be a great thigh tat okay so like you know when you're hanging out with people you can just always see yeah okay don't spend it all all right Gosh, if you get that tattoo, I'll pay for it. Um, that'll be like the fifth tattoo that I own that's not on my body. Please don't get that one. I would actually feel bad. It'd be the wrong person who'd get that tattoo. Okay, uh, next one. Okay, so he's saying these are all the things that create loneliness, envy, laziness, and greed. Now he starts talking to you about the benefits of community. So all of these things are going to make you alone, and now he's coming to you and saying, all right, now you want to know how to get people around you? So that way, when you go through the oppression of life, you have somebody to comfort you. He goes, here's the, here's the life hacks 
to having people around you. Ready? Here it is. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. You can get more done and more out of life. You are more productive. You can get stuff done when you have somebody with you. This means you have to say no to envy so you can be in a relationship. You have to say no to laziness so you can be in a relationship. You have to say no to greed so you can be in a relationship. And now people want to be around you. When you have people around you, you can get way more done. If you've moved, which is better, moving by yourself or moving with somebody? How many of you have ever had to paint a room, which is faster, painting by yourself or painting with somebody? There's a law of synergy. I grew up, my dad's a veterinarian, so I kind of grew up doing farm animal stuff. And uh, draft horses, so most of you don't know what a draft horse is. Think uh, Anheuser-Busch Clydesdales. You can take one uh, Clydesdale, and it can pull 2,000 pounds. You can take another Clydesdale, and it can pull 2,000 pounds. And you put both of those Clydesdales together, and they'll pull 5,000, 6,000 pounds. There is a synergy that happens when you're in relationship. There's a synergy that happens when you are going on a journey in your walk with the Lord, and you have somebody with you. There's a synergy that happens relationally. There's a synergy that happens in every area of your life when you have people on the journey with you. When you get married, you're going to go, this is fantastic. We used to both have two apartments, and we were both paying rent. And now that we're married, we're living in this one apartment, and there's synergy in our finances. This is fantastic. We only have to wash one set of sheets. This is great. Think of all the cost savings just on sheets alone. Okay? Next one. After that, he says, uh, Ecclesiastes 4.10. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Community doesn't just provide help and the ability to get more done and synergy. It provides care. It helps you. They are there for you, and you are there for them. Um, I grew up mountain biking. There's a mountain biking rule. You never go mountain biking alone. Uh, swimming. You never go swimming alone. When I go uh, horseback riding, you never go horseback riding alone. In high school, or right out of high school, uh, I went to college, and I was uh, dating this girl. Well, I wasn't dating this girl yet. This is going to sound super hickish. Just remember, I have a really cool long shirt on now, okay? So uh, I, I grew up dealing with lo large livestock. And um, I met this girl. Her dad was a, a, a CEO of a hospital, and he had a small horse ranch. And he had uh, a dapple gray horse that was green broke, which means that it basically they put a saddle on it. And um, I liked her. She liked me, obviously. And, um, but her dad was kind of on the fence. And so I showed up at their house. And uh, he's trying to put the saddle on the horse, and I'm like, I got you, bud. And uh, he's like, you think you can ride that? And I'm like, yeah. And he's thinking, no. And so I'm getting ready to hop on it, and this girl, so glad we broke up. But um, she comes up to me, like straight out of the movies, puts her hand on my hand as I'm getting ready to get on. She goes, don't ever do that again. Which, of course, I'm like, <laughs> this sucker's about to get ribbed, Okay. <laughs> I hop on, and I handle the horse, like not a problem, doing just fine. 
And uh, he's impressed. You know, I'm, I'm cantering around with, you know, if you don't know, you don't know. But if you know, you know. And you're like, dang, boy, okay. <laughs> uh, we're doing side passes on the wall. I mean, it's a, it's a total hick thing, okay. Well, then I get, I get Claytoned. And uh, I start to show off a little bit. And so I get done, and I hop out of the saddle, and I'm still on the horse, and I'm just sitting on the back, just kind of like, okay. I know, I know, it's bad. It's so bad. And um, out of nowhere, I hear a dog bark. And before I knew it, the horse had uh, changed his mind about me being with him. And I'm no longer in a position to ride this thing out. Like, I thought I'd got all the bucks out. Like, I thought I'm fine. I'm sitting on the very back of the horse, also known as the launching pad. <laughs> all I know is this is after uh, the movie Gladiator came out where, like, he's walking through. You guys probably don't even remember this movie. He's, like, walking through the wheat fields, and, like, his hands are, you know, he's about ready to kill everybody. The next thing I, I hear, woof, woof. And the next thing I know is I'm seeing wheat fields. I'm thinking I've died. <laughs> I wake up, another movie reference, A Knight's Tale, where Heath Ledger, pre-Joker, pre-death, pre-suicide, and they're looking over the guy and they go, you've been weighed, you've been measured, and you've been found wanting. Her dad and her are looking at me as I'm coming back to life. <laughs> Had they not been there, I'd have been donezo. I don't know how long I was there. I don't know what, I mean, done-zo. You just are better together. If you're going to go on a road trip, if you're going to go on it, take somebody with you. So when something bad happens, you're not by, uh, girls, you know this. What does your dad tell you when you're leaving your dorm or leaving your house late at night? Take someone. The enemy's out to get you. If he can get you alone, he can get you. And when life happens, you have somebody to help you out. So the next thing is you get, uh, you get care. You get someone to take care of you. And he says, pity the person who's all alone. Ecclesiastes 4.11. <coughs> Don't read into this one. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And some of you are thinking, hey, that's the pickup line I needed at church tonight. <laughs> you know, are you tired of being cold, girl? Girls, your response is, nope, it's summer, okay? <laughs> I'm good, okay? Um, what he's talking about there is comfort. Life is more comfortable in community. Have you ever had a good day at work? Do you want to call somebody and tell them? Have you ever had something really good happen to you? You get a good grade. Somebody said you look nice. Do you want to call somebody and say, oh, my goodness. Have you ever had a rough spot? and you just need to get something off your chest. Life is more comfortable in community. Then he says this, Ecclesiastes 4.12, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And this is your superpower. That when you get yourself united with a group of fellow followers of Jesus Christ, it gives you strength. Think about the area where you struggle. Think about the area where you need to be defended. Think about the area where you need help. And he's saying, get some people around you. Now, some of you, um, some of you, 
you're going through life right now, and um, I think I'm trying to pull it up. If you, uh, I used to do rock climbing back in the day, and uh, you're thinking, boy, you were a chunky guy. You did a lot of stuff, <laughs> okay? I did. I mean, you know, you're only single once, ideally, and I had, and if you were to take uh, a, a rope that you use for rock climbing, there's two kinds of rope. There's static rope and there's dynamic rope. But inside, if you cut one of those suckers open, some of you guys are into the 510 bracelets or you have 510 paracord laying around. You cut that thing open, it is just a bunch of really, 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 really tiny strings. It's just a bunch. All wrapped up together. And you can lift a school bus with it. Just a tiny rope. One time I was uh, helping a guy get a sailboat into the water and the, uh, the trailer wasn't long enough. So I just pulled out my rock climbing rope and I hooked it onto the back of the trailer of the truck and I just lowered it all the way back in. Well, they had, uh, you're going to love this, they had uh, forgot to put the plug in the back of the sailboat so the sailboat sank. <laughs> oh, it was a bad deal, man. It was way bad. So imagine this. This is before, you know, Facebook, otherwise I'd have been, you know, viral. There's a little rope, about 150 feet long, and then there's this truck, big dually pickup truck, and then this itty-bitty rope going all the way down into the water, and everybody's, like, getting ready to dock their boats, and, like, what's the thing? And you just hear this truck, and all of a sudden, like, emerging, like, Pirates of the Caribbean out of the deep comes this gigantic sailboat, itty-bitty rope. And inside that rope is a bunch of itty, 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 itty-bitty rope all wrapped up together. It's where you get your strength. And some of you, you are alone. And if you are alone, you're vulnerable. And before I put the guilt trip on all the other people around you, I need you to do a serious self-assessment. Am I hard to be around? Am I isolating myself because I'm lazy, I'm greedy, I'm envious? Because those people have a hard time being in relationship. And maybe one of the things you need to do is go, you know what, I got I to gotta dial this down. I gotta, God, I need you to help me in this area of my life. Some of you, you're going to have to be vulnerable to be in relationship. And this is for those of you who think you have a relationship, but you don't. I was challenged by a mentor recently. And he said, somebody should know everything about you. That somebody doesn't have to be one buddy. But everything should be known about you. Between your wife and a couple friends and a couple mentors, the totality of who you are should be exposed. And there's some of you going, Clayton, are you not referring to, like there's a thing, right? Like I don't know who I tell about that. That's where you're the most vulnerable. The thing you can't talk about, the thing you can't share, the thing you keep hidden is keeping you from community. And if Satan can get you alone in that area, he will destroy you from that area. I'm coming to you from your future. It will find you. It will catch you. And you can learn this lesson one of three ways. You can hear about it and go, yep, it's probably right. 
Some of you, you've already watched other people have it happen to them. And you're going, yeah, but you're probably right. And there's some of you, God forbid, who are going to go, I think I'm going to figure this one out on my own. Here's the good news. Jesus came into this world to be your comforter, to be in relationship with you. And you know what he did is he died for your laziness, he died for your envy, and he died for your greed. He took all the things on him so that way they don't have to be on you anymore. And there's some of you that the first step you need to make to having a relationship and to having somebody who's a comforter is to begin an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And you've seen lots of people at Collective give their lives to Christ and get baptized, but it hasn't been your week, but maybe this week is the week. There's others of you in here. Uh, what I'm going to challenge you to do is for you to start going, you know what, I need to put some people in my life. I'm not, I don't just need to pray for the stuff that's holding me back, but I actually need to put people in, like, in my corner. Some of you are going, Clayton, this is a great sermon, but since I have Jesus, I'm good. I want you to hear me say this. Nope, even Jesus would tell you that he's not enough. And you're like, Clayton, I've been in church a long time, and I think what you just said is called a sin. Nope, it's called a really good theology. Listen, if it was only supposed to be God in you, why did God give Adam Eve? If it was only supposed to be God and you, why did when Jesus came, he put a group around him immediately before he started his ministry? If it was supposed to just be God and you, how come the New Testament writers go on and on and on about all of the one another's? If it was supposed to just be Jesus and you, why does Acts talk so much about community? Because it was never supposed to be just God and you. It was supposed to be you and the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is his church. And some of you, you need to get connected and you need to be connected. Some of you need to make space in your life so that way you can connect with other people. I'll end with this. The coolest guy I ever knew was a guy by the name of Luke Chase. And when I say he was the coolest guy I ever knew, he was the best at every sport. He was amazingly good looking. He was incredibly rich. He had all of it. And part of what made him the coolest dude was that everywhere he went, he hung out with the most uncool people. When we went on gigantic trips, he was the one who picked all the doofuses to be in his uh, hotel room. When he had parties at his house, he invited all of whatever you want to call them, bonkers people. He just did. And it made everybody else go, it, it was like, he had long hair, he wore Birkenstocks, he was like, he was a hippie Jesus uh, playing football. It was, I mean, I'm just telling you. And everybody wanted to be him. Because all he ever did was make space for other people. He was always their community. And there's some of you that you are so concerned with you being in the right circle that you've never realized that God gave you the ability to create your own. And if you start doing math, this room won't be able to hold you all. Would you stand with me? God, I'm thankful for this group. I'm thankful for the time we get to spend together. I just ask you'd watch over them, grow them, nurture them. God, I pray that you would keep them from the sin of being alone. That you'd help them to fight it, push through it, make themselves open to being in community and being known. In your name I pray. Amen.